0: The very first command that James gives in James chapter 1, uh, verse 2, uh, we've covered verse 1, it took us uh, two weeks to cover verse 1, and we've considered uh, James uh, being the brother of Jesus Christ and considered uh, what uh, his life was like uh, because of being the brother of Christ. And we considered how uh, his book, uh, his letter here, is, is clearly uh, influenced by the teaching of Christ and uh, we compared it uh, with the Sermon on the Mount and there's a, a lot of, of comparisons there to be made uh, with James' uh, teaching uh, and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5 uh, and 6 and 7. Uh, so, uh, but then he doesn't uh, introduce himself in that way as James, the brother of Christ. He introduces himself as James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at last week following that example and how we are servants uh, of the Most High on a mission. On a mission. You are absolutely, if you are in Christ, you have been called to be a servant. You've been called to a duty. You've been called to a job, a purpose uh, that you may or may not, uh, you know, choose to Accept that purpose, but as a child of God, we humbly bow ourselves to whatever purpose He has for us, whether or not we would choose it. Uh, We are servants of the Most High God, dispersed or scattered on mission. And so you can look at it kind of in this way as we come into verse 2. We receive as servants of the Lord our marching orders. All right? These are the commands that we are to follow, that we are to obey. And we talked about last week. How until we uh, view ourselves as humble servants and bow our knees as humble servants and, and, and say, confess to the Lord, Lord, whatever you have for me uh, does not come to my desk for my approval, uh, but it comes to my desk for me to simply carry out. Uh, then until you come to that point, uh, the b- commands of this book aren't going to do you much good. Uh, so we come uh, with submissive hearts this morning. To the commands that we are given uh, through the rest of the book. And the first one comes in James 1, verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Lord, we are thankful, uh, God, to have your word. Lord, we're thankful that, uh, Lord, as we receive your word, God, that you, through the Holy Spirit, uh, speak to our hearts to teach us, to guide us, Lord, to reveal to each individual the different particulars, uh, God, that you have for them, uh, Lord, as as we bow ourselves in submission towards you. Uh, God, I pray, Lord, over these next several minutes that uh, you would have full opportunity to work god that you would find hearts prepared to receive Uh, lord hearts prepared to be doers and not hearers only Uh, lord it's a difficult command uh, that we're called to today Uh, god and lord it's only by your power and it's only by your grace that is that is matchless and marvelous and new and and multifaceted for every day and every trial that we can even Uh, Lord, begin to fulfill the command that you give us through your servant James. God, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Fill us with a desire, Lord, to follow you, God. Fill us with a desire to have our faith strengthened, to grow in our faith, Lord, to grow in our unity, God, with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled the message, The Joy of Suffering. The joy of suffering. We come to the first command of James, and the the command that James gives is: Brethren, count it as joy when you fall into various trials. What? Count it as joy when you fall into various trials? James, go back, man. I know you're just getting started. Check your very first line, all right? I think you left out a knot. Or something in there, right? There's a real important but or not or, you know, you you left out a contract. There's something not right here with this very first command. Count it as joy when you fall into various trials. A couple of uh, quotes here I want to give you. This is from J.B. Phillips, really more of a paraphrase than a quote. This is a paraphrase of these four verses. He says, When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. That's good. When when trials invade your life, brothers, don't push them out as enemies, but welcome them as friends under the knowledge that they come to strengthen your faith and produce in you the quality of endurance. Derek Prime says, trouble, hardship, and various forms of suffering come to all of us at some time or another. The natural tendency may be to feel that such things are a waste of human life. And are to be avoided at all cost. Knowledge informs us otherwise. Anybody willing to admit that what Brother Prime here is is saying is exactly how we feel? Trials and hardships come into our life to rob us of life. Right? To waste our days. to, To steal from us our joy... And to rob from us our time until we can find a way to overcome, to get past, to move through. And then get to the other side and then have a, full, a fulfilled and joyful life. Because that's how we feel. That's a common way to view trials. He says, but knowledge informs us differently. Knowledge informs us differently. We're going to get to the knowledge later. Stephen Davey says simply this, God will never use you until he has hurt you. God will never use you until he has hurt you. That sounds so strange, doesn't it? That sounds so backwards from American, culturized Christianity. But the Bible is clear and God's word is clear. That he must break us and make us into something new and different in order to use us. Command comes in. Let's break it down. This very first command. I'm just going to break this down uh, somewhat word by word. Count trials as joy. That's the first command. Count Trials as joy. I don't, by the way, just sidebar, I don't have to command my children to go try to level up in Fortnite. Any of you have to command your children try to go level up in their latest video game? No, I didn't think so. We have to command our children to go do things they don't want to do. We ourselves have to be commanded to do things that we wouldn't naturally choose or care to do. So don't be surprised when God's word comes with commands that make you, in your flesh, go, ugh. Right? That's just a sidebar. Here we go. Count trials as joy. I want you to note, first of all, he says, my brethren. His command is especially and only to believers. You might be tempted to think, oh, for those that are unsaved, they're going to face trial, so they might as well find the good in it. For those that are unsaved, the way of the transgressor is hard, so they might as well find a way to make themselves happy in the hardships. The command is to us as brethren. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into trials and temptations. Unbelievers absolutely have no reason to be joyful in suffering. They have no reason to be joyful in suffering. And you, apart from the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of God's purposes and intent in your life through trials, which is what I hope we break down this morning and give you a knowledge to empower you, For the trial that you're in or the one that comes tomorrow that you don't know about today. Is the knowledge needed to find joy in suffering that is unnatural. So it's for us, for the brethren. He says, count it as joy. Count it, consider it, deem it as joy, categorize it as joy. This is a thought-based thought based process. Count it. He doesn't say feel it. Right? He's not asking you to do something. He's not asking you when your uh, your loved one passes away. He's not asking you to laugh and throw a party and be happy and never grieve over their grave. He's not asking you to do that. Of course. He's not asking you when Whatever trial may come, when sickness falls on you or a loved one, when lack or need falls on you or a loved one, when there's a break in a relationship between you and someone you love, he's not asking you to say, boy, this is great. I'm really enjoying how this feels. What he is saying is, count it, deem it, categorize it, consider it as a joy in the recognition of the process. This is a thought-based process. This is for all of the Word of God. This is a command that makes it a choice. God doesn't command you to do things and that you don't have the choice to do. He'll never command you to do something above what He will equip you and enable you if you will choose and bow to Him and receive from Him the will and power to do it. So it's a command, it's a choice, it's a perspective, right? We're going to get in a little bit, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but there is a a discipline of the mind to take inventory of all things surrounding you and consider the trial as a joyful process, as a joy-producing process process. It's a godly perspective. We're going to look at that perspective here in a little bit as well. I got so many things that we're going to look at in a little bit. You're probably wondering when? Are, when? Well, good grief. We got so many things to look at. Are we ever going to make it out of here? I don't know. He says, my brethren, count it all joy. Count it as all joy. Count it as pure joy, pure delight, Count it gladly, count it cheerfully, count it wholly in your favor. Count it as all joy. Don't count it as some joy. Don't count it as well. This is bad, but maybe this good thing will come out of it. Don't count it as well. This is terrible, but maybe down the road, or maybe if it if it makes this, then the you know maybe the good outweighs the bad. He says, count it as pure, holy joy to your advantage when you fall into trials. The command's not getting any easier, by the way. Does anybody feel like the command's getting easier? It's not getting easier. It is getting better, though. Easier is not always better. When? Count it all joy when. Not if. When. The trials of life are a promise from God. Trials of life are a promise of God. Count it all joy when. They are unavoidable unavoidable. Our culture does their best to avoid trouble, which is not all that crazy if you think about it. We don't seek out trouble. We're not called to go seek trouble. We're not called to go find trouble. We talked about persecution on Wednesday night that you might receive as a believer, and and just briefly we mentioned those who go out looking to offend and therefore get offended, which is not what God calls us to do. We don't have to go looking for trials. Trials are going to come. No need to seek them and no need to pretend them. No need to pretend a trial. I got a two-year-old that makes for great examples in preaching. It's The only reason God gave them to me. he was looking down going, you need some examples, you're terrible. I got a two-year-old, I got several examples, but just one of them, for instance, the the other day we were going somewhere for a birthday party. He wakes up from his nap, hey, let's get you dressed, buddy, we're going to go to so-and-so's for a birthday party. And his answer was, I never get to go to birthday parties. (laughs) What are you talking about? I just said get dressed because we're going to a birthday party. Like, stop. Don't do that. Listen, you don't need to pretend to have trials. You don't need to pretend to have trouble. Don't let your flesh, your mind, do that to you. Some of us grown people do that, don't we? Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to play with me. I bet so and so's mad at me. Hey, listen, sufficient unto the days is the evil thereof for you to be imagining troubles and trials for tomorrow and things that you don't know or ain't happened yet. When, not if, they're unavoidable. He also says when you fall. The trials that come, they're unavoidable, but they're also un- unexpected. Fall word is used for the Good Samaritan when it says that he fell among thieves. The Good Samaritan didn't take off down the road of life going, I bet there's thieves out here. Let's go this way and see if I can't get in place of some thieves. No, he's going along his way and out from behind the boulders or whatever it is that your little Sunday school pictures uh, showed you when you were a kid, out from behind the big rocks that are everywhere in Israel, they just jump out, and they're all around you, surrounding you, unsuspecting, unprepared. We fall into these trials. We don't go seek them, but we just we fall into them. We're unsuspecting. And we fall into all kinds of them. When you fall into various trials, they're multicolored, they're multifaceted. Yours are different from others by the way. Because when you fall into various trials, know that your trials are different from other people's trials. And I have found, as as strange as this is to the way my mind works, I have found that some folks think that their trials, and this is the way my mind thinks, right? Other people don't have as bad of trials as me. Right? Sometimes I think that. Well, I've got it hard, and everybody else, man, they just got it easy. That's a lie. It is a lie. But I find some people that I'm looking at and going, "My word, you are really going through it," And they go, "Oh this, No, this, I just think of so-and-so, and how bad their trials are, and my aren't, just aren't that bad." We all have different trials, and nobody is without trials. One of the biggest lies that will put you back into that poor mental state of making up trouble for yourself, is when you begin to believe the lie that someone around you has it figured out and has no trials. They've got no trouble. The wheelbarrow of their life is empty and they just get to run all through it. While mine is all weighted down with all kinds of cares. Notice that there is grace to match. This same word is used in Mark one thirty four when it said that they brought... All kinds of sick to him. And Jesus healed all kinds of diseases and sicknesses. It's also in 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold. That's the same word. Grace of God. So as you face all different kinds of trials that look all different kinds of ways, different for you from other people and different from what you faced in the past and and new and strange and and with every little intricacy and variable that you face, know that God has a grace that is built to perfectly match that puzzle piece broken spot in your life. And that's where the joy comes in. So my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Trials, temptations, hardships, consequences of sin, whether direct or indirect. You're going to face them. This includes all of them. All different kinds of trials and troubles and hardships when I put there consequences of sin direct or indirect, you are going to face certain trials because you did sin. Right? You're going to face certain trials because you chose in action to, to do something that God has commanded you not to do because God knows that sin hurts us and then the consequences of that sin bring a hardship. And even that trial... you can count as joy i need that as much as anything i know that god's in control of circumstances i know god's in control of what other people may do to me i know god but when i sin god can you even take that and work it for my good and for my growth and for my eventual joy and god says yes i can Now, of course, this is not for us to go out and sin so that the grace of God may abound. If that's in your heart at all, then I would question whether or not you have the grace of God in you at all. But God's able to do even that. Sin direct, maybe your sin, maybe somebody else's sin, has brought a trial into your life. God says, I got that one too. I got that one too. What can man do to me? What can man harm me? Consequences of sin, direct or indirect. You know why we die? Sin. You know why you get sick? Sin. You know why coronavirus, cancer, Lou Gehrig's disease, the whole list of things is even a thing? Sin. And yet God can still take that and use that and does every time for our good and for his glory to strengthen us and to mold us and to make us. Temptations may may look like financial lack, may look like persecution, may be found in broken relationships, may be found in sickness or death, may be found in a loss of purpose. May be found by pressing negative Feelings. I didn't cover that. You may feel the consequences of sin because you did sin. Or you may feel the consequences of sin because you are a sinner. Those are two different things. Why do I have these thoughts? Why do I have these struggles? Why do I have these lusts and urges and and feelings of guilt and shame and, and, and not being good enough or not being wanted or sin? Sin makes you feel that way. Be of good cheer. God has overcome the world. Failure. Demotion. Disappointment. I got to thinking on this list, you know, demotion or promotion. Huh. Promotion could be a trial, can it? Maybe a new marriage. Maybe a struggling marriage. Maybe a new baby. It can be a trial. The boys were listening to some country song talking about how when the when there's not enough hugging and kissing you, time to have a baby, and I thought it rhymes, but it ain't gonna help nothing. tell you that. baby can be a trial, it's absolutely a blessing. All kinds of things that are good for us, bad for us, planned, unplanned, wanted, unwanted, can turn into a trial. There's a worldly perspective on suffering. The worldly perspective is that joy comes in the absence of suffering. This is when you get joy. When you can get all the suffering in your life fixed, then you can have joy. Right? And that makes sense, doesn't it? If I don't have any suffering, then I have joy. If or when this thing is over, if or when I can obtain that thing, get that thing, accomplish this task, get healthy, get away from this job or this individual, when they stop doing this to me or when they start doing that, then I'll have joy. That sounds sounds right. Doesn't it? You want joy? Figure out a way to fix all your suffering. Then you'll have joy. That's what the world believes. The world says things like you gotta get past it, you gotta rise above it, you gotta look on the bright side of things. It could be worse, or you just need to take matters into your own hands and fix it. Right? This is what the world tells you when you're suffering. What that leads to is blaming. Other people blaming your circumstances. It leads to ignoring your suffering. Ignoring your trials. Denying that you have them. Looking for distractions from them. Trying to cover them up. Just giving up and quitting. On something that is God made to be a joy for you. But as soon as it becomes a trial for you. You say no I'll just quit that thing. So that I don't have that trial. So that I can have joy. You think you're taking the route to joy, but what you are doing is getting off the route to joy by quitting that thing. It leads to getting revenge to make ourselves feel better, to try to fix it. It leads to medication, either over the counter or under the counter or at the ABC store or whatever it is that sets off the dopamine, In your brain, it leads to bitterness, it leads to failure, it leads to putting on a good face. Let me tell you something, there's nothing joyful about putting on a good face in suffering. There's nothing joyful about getting revenge. There's nothing joyful about alcohol. or drugs There's certainly nothing joyful about holding grudges and becoming bitter. There's a Christian perspective of suffering is that joy is a product of suffering. We think that the correlation between suffering and joy is that the absence of suffering equals joy. God says the presence of suffering produces joy. Let God be true and every man a liar. Because that don't sound right to me. Joy is a product Of suffering. We do not wait for joy after, which by the way will never come. Right? Is that ever going to come? I'm going to get this right, I'm going to get that right, I'm going to get this together, and then, boy, things are going to be good and hunky-dory and right, and I'm going to have joy. It's not happening. And it ain't just you. And people that tell you that they made it there, they're liars. Smack them. Don't smack them. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you to, then smack them good. He won't. It's okay, I can say that. He won't do it. We have joy during the pain. And I hope that on no level you have heard, because, listen, if on any level you're hearing, listen, that trials don't produce pain. If on any level you're hearing that, then I apologize because then I've been stomping all over your toes of your trials because trials absolutely produce pain. But there's joy in the pain because there's purpose to the pain. Go to Hebrews 12. brought it down to one verse, but if you want to do more research yourself, you can study this entire chapter regarding trials, suffering, chastening, punishment, discipline. Those are all different things. And God uses all of them, and we're talking about all of those this morning under the header of Trials. But verse 11 is where I want you to go this morning. He says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Can everybody just breathe a big sigh of relief and go, okay, good. Right? God's not crazy. James is not crazy. I'm not crazy. Okay? No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields... Now remember, afterward it yields. That word yield is letting you know it's a product. It's not after it's over, then, right? That's world mentality. After the suffering, then there's joy uncorrelated. No, the the suffering yields or produces. Just like a tomato plant yields tomatoes. I can't have a tomato without a tomato plant. It yields tomatoes. afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it trained by it. there's a training involved there's an intention involved so again I don't want to I don't want to leave you this morning with a sour taste in your mouth. I don't want to leave you this morning with a sour taste as though I boy that preacher he just he must never have faced anything. Because <laughs> he don't know what pain and trials is if he's up there saying those things. I'm not saying that at all. We know that it's painful. and it is painful. But it produces a fruit of righteousness that leads to joy. It comes with the intentional purpose to train us. So the Christian perspective we say, or the Word says... So I go back to James here. No matter what you feel, right? That, didn't the writer of Hebrews just say that? No chastening for the present seems joyful. doesn't feel joyful. And it doesn't. It feels painful. No matter what you feel, know that God is in control. Okay, that's, that's big. That's big. God is absolutely in control. There is nothing that comes your way. I don't care how it comes to you on the whole list of trials that we've talked about that isn't under God's command. The devil himself cannot bring anything into your life unless God first allows it. God has a hedge about his children that the devil cannot penetrate unless God says, All right. I'll let you in on that side. And the devil takes what opportunity he can, and God shuts him out, and God trains us by it. No matter what you feel, know, God is in control, and that trials come with the intended, perfect purpose to strengthen your faith. The intended, right? God was in control, has an intention and a purpose that is perfect. God's not going to mess it up. God's not going to get it wrong. I've looked back on my life and said I was too hard on my kid in that way. I got bad memories of teaching them how to ride a bicycle. Because Daddy's temper was short. Because I was always good at riding bicycles, and they should always be good at riding bicycles like me. If you don't believe me, Go get me a bicycle. I ain't ridden one, and I don't know how many years. I'd probably fall over. But unlike us, right? And that, that's, this is straight from Hebrews chapter 11, by the way. If you want to do your, or, uh, your 12, Hebrews chapter 12, you can do your own research. Unlike us, who have not chastened perfectly, God always chastens perfectly. In order to strengthen your faith. Do... Trust God. Do bow before God. Do, in the trial, reject the temptation to sin. We talked about this a couple of months ago when we were on these verses. Trial and temptation. Actually, I think it was in a different spot. But trial and temptation. Trial will produce a temptation. God never tempts us, but God may put us into a test. And our flesh... Or the devil himself may try to get us to circumnavigate the test through sin. Don't do it. Don't do it. The teacher who gives the test is not responsible for the kid who chooses to cheat on it. Right? Reject sin, learn of him, set affections on things above, and grow in grace. Now, we're coming to a point here where our knowledge creates a power, but only if we want the outcome that the trial produces. Are you with me? I've tried a couple of different occasions to eat right and exercise. I'd like a six-pack. Like here, not here. Here. Wouldn't you like a six-pack? That'd be cool. I'd like biceps and triceps and pecs and lats. I'd like to be at like 6% body fat. And I also like blueberry cobbler a little bit. Just a little bit, though. And ice cream and cake. And sleeping in. And putting heavy weights down. And not picking them up again. Are you with me? Listen to me. The trials are coming. Trials are coming. You have the knowledge that can produce joy in the trial, but only if you are willing... To accept it because you so desire the outcome of it. Right? I've had five good days of getting up in the morning and working out for two reasons. Number one, I'm seeking the outcome. I want the outcome. I'm willing to do the work to get the outcome unless at some point along the way, I grow tired of it, and I quit on it, and I give up on it, and accept the lie that if I'll quit doing this difficult thing, then I'll be happier. That's the first reason. The second reason is because my wife makes me. Only got one laugh because you know it's true. It's not funny. But you get what I'm saying? The trial can only be received with joy... If you willingly accept it, because you want the outcome. If you deem the outcome not worth it, you'll lose your joy in the trial. Does that make sense? Am I clear as mud here? Because God will send us trials, and even... Let's let's even take a step back because I'll let you into my mind. Sometimes, you know, I'm reading and studying on stuff like this and I'm like, "Yeah, God, send a trial. I'm ready. This will be good. This is going to grow me, man. My faith, prayer. Send me a trial. I'm ready." <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Now no, wait. All right. Not that trial. Send Let's think about All right. Thank you, Lord. Can I can I give you a few tips on the kind of trial maybe I'm looking for? Right? Or maybe I step into it and go, okay, Lord, okay. But I don't know how long that trial is going to last. There's an endurance to the trial. There's a strengthening to the trial. You know, there are certain things that we like to exercise and certain things we don't like to exercise. There are certain ways we like to exercise. There are certain lengths of times that we're okay with exercise. But someone who is wanting to train you and mold you and to make you something better is going to hit all those weak points. God does the same thing. So we must go into it with a knowledge, but I wanted to hit that That the knowledge of what God is doing will only produce joy if you want, right, what God is doing in you and for you. So the knowledge powers joy. Joy from suffering is a discipline of subjecting feelings to knowledge. Joy from suffering is a discipline of subjecting feelings to knowledge we far too regularly let how we feel dictate what we think right i would love to figure out why i feel good some days and bad others i'd love to feel that i'd love to know why it's not circumstantial some days it's like i have no reason to feel (laughs) but that's how i feel i feel (laughs) you know I'll tell my wife. She's like, "Are you all right?" Yeah. There's no reason for me to feel, pfft, but I feel. Pfft, I don't know why. I just feel that way. You ever, does anybody else ever just feel that way? Just like, yeah. I got all the reason in the world to not be upset, and all the reason in the world to be glad for whatever my day holds, and I just feel like, right? Can't let our feelings dictate our knowledge. It's a discipline to let our knowledge or subject our feelings to our knowledge. Know this, that trials come in order to test your faith. This is back in Hebrews chapter 12. Trials come to test your faith. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom him a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become takers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Here's your knowledge. Know that trials, the chastening of God, is God treating you as a son. Right? We know to make our kids do their homework. We know to make them learn to be respectful to their siblings and to others that are around them, even when they don't want to. We know that it would be good for them if they would practice and learn an instrument. We know that it would be good for them if they would practice and, and, and learn uh, a skill. Because we love them and we want to see them flourish and want to see them grow and want to see them do good. Arm yourself with the knowledge that the trial that you are facing is God wanting to produce something good for you. And be joyful in it. Know also that the repeated testing of your faith produces strong and enduring faith. We've already made the connection like exercise, but repeated exercise creates endurance, creates strength. It's the same thing with your faith. The the repeated testing of your faith produces strong and enduring faith. Listen, we are born as babes with weak faith, right? You ever heard a kid brag about how strong they are, right? You're thinking, you're so cute, I can push you down right now, run away, you'd never catch me, right? Sometimes as baby Christians, we think we're so strong. We think we're so ready. We're Man, we're ready to take on, we've got it. Oh, yeah, I got this figured out. I know how to do this. You know, yeah, I mean, I've got the Bible, but I think I got it all nailed down about what God's done for me. And, you know, church is great, but, I mean, I I got it all figured out. I don't really need, you know, all the encompassing people around me. And and God looks down and says, it's okay, you're going to learn. You're going to be tested, you're going to be tried, you're going to be found weak. Me and Shanna do our little workouts and Jasper's running around and he does like three. And then he wants to run around and do something different. Right? That's how we are as baby Christians. I can take this, I can take that. All right, I'm done with this, I'm going to not be a part of that anymore. And God says, sorry. Why does he do that to us? Because he's a big mean god he's trying to hurt us and trying to bury us and drag us down no because he's a loving god but he just don't have control over and he wishes he could and he's and he's real sorry for you but you're just gonna have to do better and try harder and one day he'll make it all better no Because He's a good and great God who knows what is best for us and wants to train us and mold us and make us to grow and strengthen our faith to make our faith more durable to make our our faith, our, our love and desire of Him stronger and more powerful more established that word patience there in some of your translations other translations may have endurance may have established God wants us to have an enduring, established faith. There are innumerable reasons why trials come, but there is one ultimate goal, and that is the strengthening of your faith. There's a million reasons why trials come. Don't even worry about that question. Why is this happening? doesn't really matter why it's happening. The reason that it's happening is to strengthen your faith. To strengthen your faith. And there is a final command. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Faith is directly tied to our unity and our affection for Christ. You know, sometimes I need trials to remind me that I need God. Sometimes I need trials to remind me that I do have faith. Anybody else sometimes feel like? I mean, I can go through my day, I can get my stuff done, I got it kind of figured out, and I did my devotions this morning, and and I prayed. But what is my faith really for today? You ever feel that way? What is my faith for today? And there are there, some days like that I begin to wonder. Am I really in faith at all, God? What am I doing, God? Am I I not doing the right stuff? Should I be doing more of this and less of that? What should I be doing, God? But then the trial comes. Or then God reminds me of the trials in days gone by, and I remember... How God drew close to me, and empowered me, and comforted me, and enlightened me, and protected me in ways that I never thought imaginable. And I remember faith in my God. Or the trial comes into my life, and then I remember what my faith is for. Because without Him, I can do nothing sometimes I need the trial just to abide in the faith that I have and have joy in that. Boy, we are some strange creatures, aren't we? Let alone the process and the production of a strengthening faith and a growing relationship and unity with Christ and a, a more complete and full joy. You see there, weak faith, weak unity, weak affection. God aims to mature our faith in every way. That's what that means. You may sound like he's saying perfect and complete over and over again, but let, let the endurance of faith, let the testing of your faith, the exercise of your faith produce a completeness in every area of life. That's what that is. Perfect and complete. Complete in every area of life so that you don't lack anything. That's a good thing to desire. That's a good place to want to be. And if if trials and testing is what is necessary for us to get there, then we ought to count it as joy when those trials come into our life. I'm not telling you it's going to feel like joy. I'm telling you discipline your mind built on the knowledge of what God's Word has to say about you and say This is a good thing for me. This is a joyful thing for me. I'm going to attack this thing. Coaching sports as I have, you put the guys through the stuff, you know, run the drill, do the thing. And on some level, they're only going to get production in accordance to how they apply themselves. Right. You go run a mile wherever you are on the scale right from walking it to jogging it to running it to sprinting it if you're not pressing yourself you're not going to accomplish anything. I took piano for like seven years. I can't play at all. Look, look Teresa literally had her mouth open like that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. You must be the dumbest person on the entire planet. That's what your face said, Miss Teresa. Oh, that was Mindy. That was Mindy. You know why? Because every time I was put to practice, (laughs) uh, get through practice, is it time yet? You know, mom and dad going, I don't hear the piano going. I've heard you run your scales a million times just because I can still run my scales. You know, it don't do me no good. I was something I was good at, so I just did that for 30 minutes. You know what that makes you? Really good at running scales and not able to play the piano after seven years of sitting on a piano bench. I think of Job's friend. I wish I could remember his name. You know, Job had his friends that came in and and they blamed Job. And they had all the worst advice in the world for a suffering Christian. And then his young friend came in and said, I let you older guys talk first because... Age and time is supposed to produce maturity. But you guys have really dropped the ball. I don't say that to puff up us young people. I say that because there's a danger that time under the trials and in the trials from the very hand of God, as perfect and purposeful and intentional as they may be, if we don't receive them with the right attitude, if we look at them with a worldly perspective and try to circumnavigate or get around or or slunk through, we're not going to grow in them. And we're going to find ourselves stunted, immature, unloving, towards God and towards man, unusable, aged believers. Trials come to produce a single-minded affection for Christ, and therein lies the fullness of joy. Most time our trials is God taking away something of this world that we liked. And God is saying, set your affection on me. Set your affection on me. You will not be able to count trials as joy. This is my closing statement. You will not be able to count trials as joy if a growing, strengthening faith is not valuable to you. Under the knowledge of what God does through trials, you can fulfill the command to count it as joy. And under the continuing desire to grow in your faith, you can follow the second command is, let testing have its full effect. That means, God, thank you for this trial. God, I'm leaning on you in this trial. God, I'm trusting you in this trial. God, I'm looking to learn more of you in this trial. God, I know that on the through this trial, in this trial, and on the other side of this trial, I'm going to be in a better relationship with you. That makes me glad. Count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of trials, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. And let patience have its perfect work so that you can be complete and entire, wanting nothing. It's good to want nothing the more I have of God the less I want of anything else let's all stand if you would Aaron's going to play a verse or two of invitation I just want you to take a little time and think there's no time there's no time this morning for beating yourself up for your attitude and perspective in trials gone by and up to this point let that go. It's okay. Give that to God. Confess it. Give it to God. But now, in the sobriety of the Word of God this morning, take that trial that you're in, take that suffering that you're facing. Take that empty, gaping hole in your life. Count it as joy. Give it to God. And look for Him to do some amazing, powerful, comforting things in that tribe.